Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm here today to announce that the program known as DACA that was effectuated under the Obama administration is being rescinded. Obviously, Jeff Sessions is a very hardline voice on immigration. The compassionate thing to do is end the lawlessness, enforce our laws. It's Congress's job to create legislation. I think that's something we all learned in eighth grade civics. We love the dreamers. We love everybody. Thank you very much. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast, the show about the man whose own aides are worried he doesn't understand what he's doing by rescinding DACA, Donald Trump. I'm Jacob Weisberg. Trump thinks he has come up with a really clever solution to a political problem. His nativist base doesn't want any kind of amnesty for undocumented immigrants, even for those brought over involuntarily as children. But most of the country supports the Obama policy of letting the dreamers stay in the country, work, and pay taxes. So Trump figures he'll let someone else take the heat. He says he has no choice in the matter because of a potential lawsuit that hasn't even been filed. His hands are tied. So he cancels the successful, humane program and tells Congress to feel free to do something about it. Here's what Trump is doing. He's putting more than 800,000 of his fellow Americans into a legal purgatory. He's turning them into hostages for whatever concessions he hopes to extract from the Democrats on the border wall and God knows what else. Even for Donald Trump, this is disgusting behavior. The Dreamers grew up here and in many cases have no other country they consider home. They didn't jump any line or break any rules. If you have the chance to speak to any of them, I think you'll find they're an unusually patriotic group of Americans. But as their DACA permits expire, they will lose their jobs, their ability to get a driver's license, to live freely. They're facing a future of fear of deportation from their own country. I think Barack Obama put it pretty well in a Facebook post today. Let's be clear, he wrote. The action taken today isn't required legally. It's a political decision and a moral question. Whatever concerns Americans may have about immigration, we shouldn't threaten the future of this group of young people who are here through no fault of their own, who pose no threat, who are not taking anything away from the rest of us. Donald Trump's view? They didn't vote for me. I'll be back to talk about the end of DACA with the Marshall Foundation's Julia Preston. But first, have you got your tickets to see Trumpcast live in Austin, Texas at the Texas Union Theater on September 23rd? The show starts at 7.30 and will be joined by the former executive editor of the New York Times, Jill Abramson, and Congressman Joaquin Castro. 
Slate Plus members get 30% off their tickets. Go to slate.com slash live for more details. That's slate.com slash live. Also, Trumpcast is taking your questions for an upcoming show. If you have something to ask me or Virginia Heffernan, tweet us your questions or use the hashtag AskTrumpCast. You can also leave us a voice message at 646-598-6510. That's 646-598-6510. And hashtag AskTrumpCast to leave us your question on Twitter. And speaking of Twitter, we'll be back with the rest of today's show right after these tweets. Just got back to the White House from the great states of Texas and Louisiana, where things are going well, such cooperation and coordination. Remember, Sunday is National Prayer Day by presidential proclamation. South Korea is finding, as I have told them, that their talk of appeasement with North Korea will not work. They only understand one thing. The United States is considering, in addition to other options, stopping all trade with any country doing business with North Korea. I am allowing Japan and South Korea to buy a substantially increased amount of highly sophisticated military equipment from the United States. Congress, get ready to do your job. Daka! I'm pleased to welcome back to the program today Julia Preston of the Marshall Project. She's a specialist in immigration. Julia, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me back. So I think earlier this year, Donald Trump said he had an incredible heart and people covered by DACA had nothing to worry about. Uh, Do they have anything to worry about? They do. In an announcement by the attorney general today, the program is officially rescinded. So the program was supported by the slim underpinnings of a policy memo uh, issued by the Department of Homeland Security under President Obama, and that memo has been officially rescinded today. However, people who have DACA will not have to really worry until about six months from now uh, when the program will officially end. And Until then, they can continue to make new applications and apply for renewal. So the Trump administration has found a way to do something uh, to end a very popular program without, at the same time, blunting some of the immediate effects. In some ways, Trump does seem to be trying to split the difference here. He's saying Congress should pass a law, I think he's saying that, that creates this kind of exemption. Uh, He's saying he doesn't have any choice because there is or would be a court case that would throw DACA out anyway. He's sort of trying to say, well, it's not really my decision, right? Yes, but maybe it'd be useful here to explain a little bit about what DACA is. So DACA does not provide any enduring 
legal status. There's no affirmative legal status in the United States associated with this program. Essentially, what it is, is a deferment of deportation. And so, as part of that deferment of deportation, you, the, the young people are assured that the government is not going to seek to deport them and will provide them a work permit. And those work permits last for two years. And that aspect of the program has really been tremendously helpful because with a work permit, you get a social security number. And from there, you can get in many states a driver's license. You can work legally. Uh, you can get a mortgage. You know, this this really opened the doors to to many of the sort of essential uh, principles of American life. And so what the president has done today is effectively initiate the the uh, shutdown of this program and then try and shift the burden onto Congress to uh, pass legislation that would give permanent some form of permanent legal status to these young people. So why is that unreasonable, Julia? I mean, couldn't you take the position that you want there to be such a program, but that Congress should pass a law to make it, among other things, permanent and able to survive legal scrutiny? Uh, Well, I think you certainly could take the position that Congress should pass this law. The DREAM Act was, as as the legislation is known, has been before Congress since 2001. And so a series of presidents have made efforts to pass the DREAM Act, not least among them President Obama. And President Trump has said that he is interested in that kind of legislation and is encouraging a Congress to pass it. But the question is, why then are you canceling the program that could serve as a bridge for these young people in the meantime while Congress is taking it up? At the same time, there's another aspect to the political bargain that President Trump is making today, which is that he, I think, envisions that some kind of protection for these young people will be included in legislation that will include, that will have a major appropriation for the border wall and other funding, for example, for more immigration officers. And that is a series of measures that are really anathema to the young people who have been beneficiaries of the program. So that's the strategy here, right? I mean, that's the deal he wants to make with Congress and particularly with the Democrats in Congress. He'll say, I'll give you DACA back. I would sign a bill that included some version of a path to citizenship for people who came to this country as children in exchange for you funding my wall and enforcement and whatever. Yes, and I I would actually say that I think you can see the hand of the chief of staff, General Kelly, who was formerly the Secretary of Homeland Security. You can see the hand of General Kelly in these moves. This has been, I think, a much more well-contemplated and more smoothly implemented uh, rollout of a potentially a policy change that could have been very damaging to President Trump. This is a very uh, popular program. Instead, what they've managed to do is announce the cancellation of the program, which I think is will be satisfying to the president's most loyal supporters, postpone the worst effects of that for six months, and then turn to Congress and say, okay, now it's your turn to make this right. It's not clear, however, for any number of reasons that Congress actually wants to take this up in this incredibly crowded legislative season, or that there is a majority 
in either house of Congress among Republicans to uh, to make this happen, to, to give these uh, protections to dreamers. In which case DACA dies and nothing replaces it. Yes. And so what we won't see in the short term is thousands of young people who came to this country as children uh, being rousted out of their homes by ICE, by Immigration and Customs Enforcement agents and bundled across the border. You're not going to see that. But there, the looming threat and the uncertainty for these young people is, I think, really debilitating. And particularly since it's such an, such an appealing group of people. I mean, you know, the point that they make time and again is whatever was asked of them, they did it. You know, the reason the logic of this program in the first place was so to put them through background checks, to make sure that they didn't have any criminal history, to identify where they were and set them aside as people who were not priorities for deportation. So this, I think it's good to remember that this is actually an enforcement program. This was a program designed by the Obama administration to make it easier for ICE agents to focus on the, on the bad hombres. And so, you know, for them, for the administration to even threaten to take that sort of minimum, minimum foothold that they've been given in the United States, to take that away, it really is very upsetting and, and confusing, I think, for a lot of these young people. I mean, put bluntly, Trump has just taken 800,000 hostages, right? I mean, he's, he's saying, I don't want to harm these people, so give me what I want and I'll let them go. Yeah, in a certain way, that's right. I mean, he he's definitely seeking to use this program to his political advantage to get the kind of enforcement measures through Congress that he has long been seeking, and particularly something that he can point to as a substantial plus-up for the wall. Julia, what happens on March 5th if Congress doesn't act? On March 5th, the... the the position of the administration is that they will continue to process uh, applications that have already been submitted for new DACAs, and that they will continue to renew DACA permits through March 15th of next year. And then those new permits will continue to be valid for another two years. So again, what you're not going to see is a kind of mass day of deportation when all of these young people will become exposed to deportation at the same time. However, uh, in the documents that were issued today, the Department of Homeland Security made it crystal clear what the impact is when your permit expires, which is that, as they put it, your deportation will no longer be deferred and you will be subject to removal from the United States. So as of next March, a very large number of potentially tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of young people who have had protections up to now will no longer have those protections. And even if their deportation is deprioritized, they won't be able to work. Will they be able to go to college? I mean, what else, what else happens to them? So this is, this is going to, to, in a certain way, the deportation is not the worst of the consequences of this although obviously that would be a terrible thing, but that is a more remote possibility. What is terrible for these young people to contemplate is they would immediately have to leave their jobs. They would immediately, in most cases, or many would immediately have to leave school because they, their scholarships and their financial support 
and their access to uh, lower in-state tuition rates all depends on their DACA status. All of the things that you can think of that are associated with a social security number and with having a legal work authorization, all of those things would come abruptly to an end. So we're talking about, for example, school teachers who would presumably have to leave the classroom in the middle of the school year. There are a lot of DACA people who are actually teaching school. Uh, you're talking about medical personnel who, you know, you have people who have go- who've gone and gotten some form of nursing or, or you know, medical assistant uh, licenses and that kind of thing. I mean, it, it varies from state to state, but these people have, have uh, almost all of them are employed or in school, and they stand to lose all of that. And if there is no bill and there's no compromise with the president, what do you envision? I mean, Tim Cook, CEO of Apple, spoke out last week and said, I think there are 250 people covered by DACA at Apple. Is Is the assumption that they... As they roll off, as their as their work permits expire, that those people just go back into the underground economy because they can no longer work legally. That would be the assumption, because even someone like Tim Cook, who supports the program and is a big ally of Dreamers, has no option if they're not legally authorized to work in the United States. An employer cannot hire them or cannot keep them employed. Another thing that was notable about this, Julia, I think you alluded to it earlier, Trump tried to do this monstrous thing in a non-monstrous way for for a change, maybe under the influence of of John Kelly, his new chief of staff. But he wasn't present at the announcement. He had Jeff Sessions make the announcement. He's sort of lying low and saying it's not really going to take effect. I'm just trying to follow the law and have Congress deal with it. So it's cause it looks like a little bit of a new approach to him. He's not he's not dancing a jig about these people being kicked out. Well, the the logic that uh, the Attorney General uh, Jeff Sessions described in his uh, presentation of the uh, rescinding of DACA, which was primarily a political speech. But the logic that he laid out was that President Obama had done this uh, program in violation of constitutional constraints on presidential power and that there was no statute uh, supporting it. And therefore, the Justice Department uh, didn't think that it could be defended in court. And so there's a kind of a logic to the president then turning to Congress and saying, "Okay, you know, give me legislation to. Uh, fix this problem and to give these uh, dreamers some kind of permanent protection. But it opens up a whole host of really difficult issues, uh, not just for Republicans, but also for Democrats. For example, the DREAM Act, as it's currently proposed, uh, includes a pathway to citizenship for dreamers. And I would be very surprised if Democrats or dreamers would accept anything less than that. But there may be considerable pushback on the Republican side to the notion that you would reward these young people with citizenship. So that could become a thorny issue. Uh, Not to mention the fact that, for example, uh, Bob Goodlatte, who from Virginia, the the, uh, congressman who's the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, he today welcomed uh, President Trump's moves and initiatives on this to cancel the program and turn it back to Congress. But I don't think that Goodlatte is a friend of a full-bore DREAM Act. Uh, and so he, his idea, for example, of what kinds of protections 
Congress might provide might be much more reduced than what most Democrats would be able to swallow. So this is a very complicated political proposition that the president is proposing to Congress. And as we've seen, he's not inclined to provide much leadership when these on this kind of legislation that's very complicated. What do you think will happen, just as a last question? I mean, it's hard. This does create a sticky situation for Republicans in Congress. As you say, the program is popular. They don't look good by not acting, by killing it. They may be between a rock and a hard place, but what's a, what's a politically palatable outcome for them? Well, you know, I guess we can all, what choice do we have but to try and be optimistic about this? I mean, it's hard for me to see why it isn't a good idea to give a permanent foothold in the United States to these young people. They've been here since they were kids. It's an exceptionally dynamic group of people. You know, they've gone out, they've applied for this program, they've used it to, they've, they've advocated and been activists for legislation in many states. I mean, this is, you know, and you just look at the record, they've raised their incomes, they've supported their families, they've bought houses, they've started businesses. It's an extraordinary group of people. You know, why wouldn't Congress try and find some way to embrace them in this country. So maybe it will happen. I mean, maybe it will, you know, Lindsey Graham and, and, and Dick Durbin have proposed legislation to uh, provide protections. Maybe Congress will come together and give uh, President Trump a bill that he will sign. Maybe. Maybe. I've been speaking to Julia Preston of the Marshall Project. Julia, thanks for joining me. Yeah, it's good to talk to you. That's it for our show today. Before we go, a question. Are you listening to the Culture Gab Fest? And if not, why aren't you? I just listened to the latest episode. It was really good. Every Wednesday, Steve Metcalf, Dana Stevens, and Julia Turner chat about everything from film to music to podcasts. Start listening by going to slate.com slash culture fest. That's slate.com slash culture fest. And while you're typing things into your browser, why not go ahead and follow Trumpcast on Twitter? We're there, at RealTrumpCast. That's at RealTrumpCast. Today's show was produced by Jason DeLeon. I'm Jacob Weisberg. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast. <laughs>